0: Hi, everyone. My name is Zdeněk and you're listening to Zdeněk's English Podcast. Welcome back to the show. First of all, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank some of my loyal listeners. You know who you are. Uh, I'm speaking about the genuine fans of Zdeněk's English Podcast. Those of you who sometimes get back to me by um, some sort of communication. And this is obviously great. This is what basically keeps me going and you must have noticed that I've been recently a bit struggling with the motivation to publish episodes of the podcast. Um, the reason for it is that I think I'm getting sidetracked a bit. Uh, there are some other pastimes that the life offers, uh, some other attraction that distract me a bit. And uh, also, I, I'm a bit of um, lazy bones. So, you know, I think it's a pity, to be honest with you, because I really have some nice interviews in the pipeline and it's just, it's just not right to, to just throw it away like that. So I will do my best, you know, to talk myself into uh, recording uh, some more episodes and publishing some more episodes of the podcast. Now it sounds as if I don't enjoy it. I do. Obviously, I do. But um, it's about the moment. I think um, Guillaume spoke about it in a nice way in his latest episode of the podcast. I really liked the way he was saying it. Uh, You can check out Guillaume's English podcast episode on uh, talktolearn.ch and um, just check out what I'm talking about, right? So, um, let's get back to my point. I would like to thank um certain people first of all um uh, from ukraine living in denmark you know you know who i'm talking about right the winner the winner of the only competition that i have run um ever on this podcast and uh, so thank you for your comment below uh, the episode on uh, in the facebook group also thank you very much jan uh, mrazek Uh, He's a Czech guy who already featured on this podcast, Czech guy living in uh, Bristol, in England. And um, his name is Jan Mrazek, but this could be translated, his surname could be translated into English as Little Frost, which is quite interesting, isn't it? John the Little Frost. Sounds like Littlefinger a bit, Uh, you know, Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Uh so I uh, also received uh yet another email from Daniel uh from Italy and um basically in his email he says that I certainly managed to raise his interest uh with uh, the the uh, the previous episode of the podcast and uh the way he writes it in an email it's it's quite uh it's quite a nice pun actually because He's, okay, he's saying certainly, but he, he wrote certainly, you know. C-E-L-T-A, certainly, which is the uh, which is what this episode is about, this series of episodes. It's about Celta. Uh, so, uh, I thought this, this was a, a nice little joke there. Um, he also says that he's baffled um, as to how it is possible that... They had only 36 degrees in shade, um, 36 degrees Celsius in shade in Italy. Whereas here in the Czech Republic, we had 40 degrees. Uh, Yeah, I don't get it as well, uh, to be honest with you, Daniel. And um, a few days ago, um, I experienced something horrendous. I was playing a football match on a scorched grass, totally scorched. You know, the grass normally should be green, right? Uh, this one was not green at all it had some lifeless color it was like so gloomy it was like it it was scorched literally like there was no grass whatsoever it looked more like hay a yellow sort of yellowish right so yeah this heat wave is gone it's history now and uh, which is good obviously but it seems to be getting colder uh, every single day, especially in the evening. So I don't know what I prefer really. Uh, I suppose um, I'm never satisfied with weather. But you know, this this is the way it, it is. You know, uh, that's uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles, as we say. So, what's this episode about? This is the second part of the mini series about Selta, about the um, course I took. Back uh, back one month ago, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. And in this episode, I'll try to pick up where I left off in part one. So, uh, in uh, the first part, I told you what SALTA is and why and when and where I took it. Um, um, so, it's uh, obviously a course for English teachers. And in this part, uh, I'd like to tell you a bit more. Um, uh, because obviously you must be curious about uh, this exam, because because uh, how mysterious uh, this can be, right? I don't know, um, uh, but uh, I don't know how much you are into it. But this is this is the episode I'm doing today, so bear with me. And in this one, you will actually uh, uh, have a chance to. Uh, to listen to me reading out my assignment 4 from CELTA. That's just one of the things that you will uh, be able to hear here. Okay, so how did I actually do in CELTA? What were my challenges? I think you're curious, aren't you? Ah, So much suspense. Can't wait for me to tell you, right? So, well, in terms of the assignment, I nailed it. I pretty much nailed it. I did really well. I was the only person who passed the assignment on my first, not the assignment, all the assignments on my first try, on first submission. The most important thing was, however, the teaching practice. So assignment was nice, but teaching practice was what it all came down to and what it all boiled down to as we say and because everyone eventually passes the assignment you know because if you have to resubmit they'll tell you what is wrong and what uh, they would like you to change so you would really have to be stupid not to do what they want right so um i think my strongest assignment was number two in which we were asked to create a lesson based on some authentic material um what is authentic material you might be asking? What, well, it's something real. It could be an article on the internet or, or you know, some kind of some interview or a film, something from real life, something not created for the purpose of learning. You know, you can't just take um, an exercise from textbook and turn it into your own uh, material, right? That's not what, you, what they ask you to do. Anyway, I decided to do a lesson based on a sequence from my favorite TV series. Uh, When I say my favorite, uh, I might have said on this podcast previously that uh, my favorite TV series is something else, but I've got more favorite TV series, to be honest with you. But one of my favorite TV series is called Mind Your Language. It's quite an old one, and I've already spoken about this in the episode with Luke Thompson. Remember that famous one, the most uh, listened to episode episode? Of this podcast with uh, Mister Luke, Mister Sir Sir Luke Thompson. Yeah, so we talked about mind your language there, and so I based my lesson on mind your language, and it really worked. It really worked out well, and if you're interested, I can post the lesson plan online so that some of you, who those of you who might be English teachers, or if you're just curious, I can. Um, to, uh, I can show you how a, such such a lesson plan um, is, is written and uh, the, the teachers may use it um, as part of their planning for their lessons. It's all up to you, basically. So, let me know um, if you're interested. So, except for two people, thanks God, including myself, um, nobody passed the second assignment. So, I'm really glad that I managed to pass this one. I didn't have to resubmit. And if Gregor, who is one of the tutors I spoke about in the previous episode, if Gregor writes a final comment, um, a good assignment, Denek, nothing more to say, it is fucking brilliant. Sorry for for my French, excuse my French, but it, yeah, it yeah, basically you get it, yeah? Right, during Salta there are two important moments um, after first two teaching practices and again after the fifth one where they basically tell you where you stand. Uh, They are called Tutorial 1 and Tutorial 2, a kind of uh, face-to-face 15-minute meeting uh, about your chances of passing the course and basically tell you what kind of degree you are currently at and what you could shoot at, what you could aim at. Yeah, so um, after the first tutorial, I was told that I could get a pass A or B in uh, in the in the second one though, um, I was told that I was only a strong standard, so I didn't know my final grade until three uh, until um, about fourteen days after actually finishing CELTA. Uh, it was pretty obvious that I passed it, you know, because um, there were some indications that I was doing quite well, but I didn't really know what my final mark was uh, was gonna be because. Um, it was kind of inconsistent. You know, one of the tutors said that I was really good. One of them said I was standard. So I didn't know what what was going to happen, really. And it irritated me a bit. Um, it was an emotional experience, especially hearing the harsh reality of tutorial 2. I have to admit, this was an emotional experience for me. I was angry and I was just fed up to hear that I was not where I wanted to be. And it did not correspond with with the the feedback I got I got from the the previous tutor, so you know I'm generally hard on myself and I set my challenges high and I hate losing. Okay, above all I hate losing. I'm a I'm a born winner. I'm um I'm a competitive person. It's not always good to be honest with you. You know, some people may hate you for it. Actually, I think I I I have some enemies like that. I think, um, but anyway. For me, losing would be getting standard pass, you know, because I'm aware of the fact that I am already a fully qualified teacher and I have always wanted to make a difference, not be just a sheep, in the, you know, just to hide in the crowd. I want to stand out. I want to be innovative. I want to be new. I want to be different. So some people in my country say that if you can't do anything else, you teach. Yet yeah, this is how harsh it can sound and some people really have this viewpoint. I totally disagree with this though. I want to do the teaching job as best as I can and not just be standard. You know? You know what, uh, where where uh, you know where I'm heading with this? You know where, where I'm getting at with this? I really want to be good at it. So for me getting a standard pass would be just a, a failure. So Okay, so um, let's talk about my teaching drawbacks. Let's talk about what, um, what I was criticized for as a teacher. What were some, uh, some things that the tutors found problematic as far as my teaching went? Well, for sure, the biggest issue was my teacher-centeredness. You know, for every single one of us there on on CELTA, it was teacher-centeredness. Not just me. I was supposed to hand it over more to the students. Uh, We all were supposed to do that. You know, to kind of give give them more responsibilities. Not just do everything uh, by ourselves as teachers. Not just spoon-feed them, as we say. Um, We should not tell uh, them answers directly. Instead, we should try to elicit the answers, which means like give them some hints and let them work it out themselves. Which is, which um, the the Cambridge or, or this methodology communicative approach, they basically claim that uh, if the students manage to come up with the answers by themselves, it's somehow better for their learning because. I think it's it has to do with the fact that they are directly involved in um, you know in create in creating and in thinking process rather than if you just tell them they have to memorize it you know so it's it's stronger and that's that's how it is and uh, basically most of us just um, you know we assumed the power instead of passing on. Passing this on the students, which is difficult to change because old habits die hard, and you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't, I don't uh, suggest that I'm a, I am an old dog, but you know, I've I've been teaching for quite some time, so it must um, be evident, you know, it must come through a bit. So anyway, where was I? Yeah, so in your lessons, you you're supposed to hand it over more to the students. And uh, you should do more of the pair check and peer check and um, self check rather than just correcting the students on the spot. You know, um, I was not always giving clear instructions. That's another thing. Sometimes I was too direct as a teacher in terms of the correction. And the instructions are really important. You, You have to be concise, succinct. You have to speak to the point, you know, um just to make it as simple as as and, and as understandable for students as possible. That's how they will most benefit from your instructions. It has to be clear, right? I think you get my point. Am I being clear right now at this at this stage? I don't know. Maybe I'm falling into the same trap again. Right. And they say you don't you don't step in the same river twice. Well you do if you're me. You do. So, uh, another thing, um, I was not using enough of CCQs. CCQs? What are CCQs, you might be asking? Well, CCQs, ladies and gentlemen, are concept checking questions. Does it help you at all? Well, if not, don't worry about it. It's a term. It's a term used in um, English language teaching. Concept checking question basically means that you ask a student a question... Uh let's say you're explaining what a knife is, so instead of telling the students uh, what a knife is by giving them an exact definition like it could be a tool for cutting um some food right or or uh, a killing um a killing tool I don't know it shouldn't be a killing tool should it it should rather be a tool for, for cooking or something like that. So instead of telling them straight away, you ask them a concept-checking question such as, what can you use a knife for, right? And by um, eliciting this from students, by hearing out their, by hearing their answers, um, they will come up with answers such as, for cutting ham or for, for, I don't know, for something... So they tell you by themselves, and you check if they understand the concept of the word. So that's how it works, and apparently this is very effective. Also, another one is ICQs, and I'm not talking about this program program that you that was a predecessor of Skype, I think. No, ICQs are instruction checking questions, and I'm I'm not talking ICQs um, like I'm in a shop and I can only see queues. Uh, in a shop, so it's you uh, gets to wait in a in a queue for a long time, so it's depressive, isn't it? No, I'm not talking about these queues. I'm talking about ICQs, uh instruction checking questions. So if you give instructions, and uh, you can you can always ask a question such as, um, how long do you have for this exercise, or how many um, how many words do you have to find in the text? And your, stu- your students have to tell you, okay? So, that's instruction checking questions. So, I was not using enough of these. Um, I also had some problems with time management. Apparently, I frequently overplanned my lessons. My lesson plans were too ambitious. Uh, in other words, sometimes I went off the tangent during the lessons. My examples were not from the context, and so on and so forth. I'm just giving you a selection of some problems, but... It all came down to my teacher-centeredness. This was just some kind of an umbrella. Uh, it was some kind of a common denominator, you know, my teacher-centeredness. So this was some something I really had to work hard on. And um, it all stemmed from the planning. I had to plan my lessons so that I would not be uh, so visible or so uh, so important in the lesson, you know. Um, right. So, oh, before I forget, once I also got st- got a stick because apparently, and I quote, I had been prowling over my students like a cage animal during monitoring. Monitoring is when you assign students some work, like you, you tell them to do a reading task, for example, or do an exercise and you monitor them. You have to walk around and make sure they understand what they're doing and um, help them out if they have any sort of uh, issues and so it's monitoring is part of you of the class ah, what's going on of the classroom management and apparently I was prowling like a caged animal during monitoring so (laughs) that was really fun um, to hear and I thought um, this was hilarious really so according to Cambridge I was not doing these things up to par and as you know, Cambridge is the biggest authority in English language teaching and learning. But are they always right? Well, that is a question. There are many different methods, different ways to teach English, and these methods often contradict. They are contradictory. Uh, what we can say is that these days, communicative method is preferred and considered to uh, to be the one uh, that everyone should um, hold on to. So anyway, I have always had my own unique style. And I really think it is good to be different, you know. It's good to mm, not to just blindly follow the mainstream. Moreover, I have to admit that I have been quite significantly influenced by Luke from Luke's English Podcast. You know I love uh, LEP, I love Luke's English Podcast, and I have listened to all his episodes, to all episodes uh, that Luke recorded. So naturally, sometimes I mirror the way Luke behaves on, this, on his podcast. And not only do, uh, do I do that on my own podcast, I also do that in during my teaching, which is a problem, to be honest with you, because the role that Luke assumes on his podcast is one of a performer rather than a teacher. He's a stand-up comedian. And, you know, the teacher role is sometimes teaching something on his podcast, but it's kind of pushed out a bit because... It's a podcast, you know. The students can't respond. They don't get any teacher talking time, which is the problem. Podcasting and teaching are two two different things, very distinctively different. In a classroom, you can't afford to do what you can do as a podcaster. If you do it, um, your teacher talking time will naturally get too high. And that's a cardinal sin, you know. Uh, According to CELTA and Cambridge. So basically, as a teacher, you can't do this because and because of um, Luke's influence, I've been doing this. Yep, I admit that. And so I have a tendency to say too much. Sometimes I want to be funny at the expense of giving um, time to students to express themselves, you know, to express their opinions and so on and so forth. So that's, that's something that I have been doing wrong. So this was my challenge during CELTA to eradicate this kind of stuff, this um, rubbish, <laughs> uh, to exterminate this from my teaching. So how did I do? Did I manage that? Well, it was hard, but I think actually, yeah, uh, I did a good job. Uh, refraining more and more from this teaching style as the course progressed. Uh, so sometimes during the course I felt that I was not appreciated enough, you know. My creativity is one of my main strengths as a teacher. I often, I was often tempted to make most of my lessons as, as I often do it. So I created some role plays and uh, once, for example, I bought a large... Not bought. Once I brought a large suitcase full of clothes to let my students experience shopping for clothes in England as close to reality as possible. And also for my teaching practice, five, I think it was, I asked Luke to record a three-minute authentic material for me. It was a short listening for gist. And he was so kind and found a niche in his busy schedule. I think it was Some time before his um, wedding. And if you have listened to his wedding episodes, you know what I'm talking about. How busy he was. So I told him that I would make a little promotion for him to, uh, to return the favor. And Luke agreed. He sent me a wonderful mp3. Really funny stuff. Typical Luke. You know what? At the end of this episode, I'll let you listen to it. Giving you the task beforehand The tutor laughed listening to Luke's recording, but uh, he thought the language was too hard for the intermediate group. I think I forgot to to ask Luke uh, or tell him that he has to downgrade his language because this was aimed at uh, intermediate group or something like that. So I tried to justify it in my rationale of my lesson plan, but I succeeded only partly, so there was a little, little problem about this, but... I think I think the, the tutors appreciated that I wanted to do something different. But did they appreciate it enough? I wasn't sure at the point when I saw my feedback. Anyway, uh, but I didn't really care, you know, as long as I could play some Luke stuff and actually invite everyone to listen to LEP. It felt the right thing to do, so uh, it was the least I owed Luke for being my online mentor. Uh, For the past three years. Yep. So what is my point here? Well, I did all those things. I prepared my lessons in my way. I often created my own material. While most others uh, only used what was in the book. And my effort was only partly acknowledged. And it rather felt that at times um, this was not giving me any edge. They preferred doing stuff from the book in a more disciplined way. They wanted you to be disciplined as a trainee. An example to give you could be when I created a handout for my students. I was teaching this the shopping for clothes um, and I prepared a discussion with some questions. And one, questions, one question was, um, how do you prefer to shop? And there were three options. A, by credit card, B, in cash and C, uh, steal it. What do you think happened? Well, in the written feedback, I got a comment. "Zdenek, why this? I know it was supposed to be funny, but it's not. Again, I posted a picture of this in the Facebook group, so you can check it out. I think this was quite hilarious, you know. I mean, why would this be such a big deal, really? All right, now let me read you my fourth assignment, which is the icing on the cake in this episode. Um... Uh, So in this one, you will hear about my self-reflection. This is what I thought at the end of the course. And uh, this assignment passed. The tutor liked it. But in part one, he thought I was leaning towards negatives a bit too much for their liking. I'm not not sure if I agree with this. I don't think that uh, it was so drastic. And again, it has to do with the fact that I'm a bit self-critical. I tend to beat myself up, you know. But then again, I, if I had been too critical of myself, I couldn't have passed this assignment. So I suppose it wasn't such a big deal after all. Right. So let's do this. Let me find uh, the fourth assignment and let me read it for you. And this will be the last thing I do on this podcast and don't forget uh, i'm going to publish the third part of this which will be the final part and in this one you will have a chance to uh, listen to luke uh, luke's recording about sleeping habits this is what he sent me and it's a unique recording nobody has ever uh, heard it right it will be a premiere on this podcast Okay, let's, let me read you the assignment. It's called Lessons from the Classroom and the word count is uh, 1079 words. In part one, we were supposed to uh, write about ourselves in third-person singular, uh, kind of from the point of view of our students. This is about how we thought we came across as, student, as teachers. Part one. Then he comes across as a confident teacher. Apparently, these aren't his first English lessons. The experience is undeniably there. He knows his onions, and especially grammar is his strength. But he has his weaknesses too. He's happy to take charge, which can be good when giving us instructions and clarifying the language. But I think sometimes it feels like the power he has gets into his head. He may have a tendency to dominate the classes, and that is not right. I mean, we are the ones who paid for the English course, so we should be the focus, not him. He likes to make jokes and spice the lessons up with light-hearted humor. For example, when he pretended to have a telephone call. I think this is just the way he enjoys doing his job, which is not always easy. He puts his personality into it, which is, I reckon how he wants to prevent the burnout, because he will just never get bored teaching English. Not all jokes are funny, some are really ridiculous, but we appreciate the effort anyway. Sometimes it is too much though, and he comes across as an attention seeker. During some of his first lessons, we didn't speak much, because he just rambled on and on and on. But later something happened, and suddenly he started speaking less and less. It gave us more confidence and space for self realization, but he looked stressed and he was sweating bullets during some of his lessons, especially uh, during some of these lessons, especially the one when we were trying to discover those adjective rules by ourselves. I think he's still learning how to do this, but it's important that he's willing to change. I mean, why would he just expose himself like this? when he already has a degree in teaching. He just wants to be a better teacher. There are flaws in him, like in every other teacher. For example, his handwriting is just shambolic. And why does he go off the tangent so often, when he when we would rather appreciate more practice? But we are okay with him as our teacher, because he is enthusiastic, and he tries to pass the enthusiasm on to us. I think the most important thing is... That he really loves his job. So this was the part one. And now looking at this uh, one month later. Yeah, it does seem to be a bit negative. So I I can't believe it. I, I didn't think so at the time I was writing this. Sometimes, you know, it's good. It's good to take a break and just come back to what you write, I suppose, later. Because you can have a different perspective. Yep. So in part two, um, I was uh, asked to, uh, I think, do the same or something similar. I don't really remember. I think I was asked to reflect on. Um, I think I was asked to reflect on the course uh, as a whole and uh, say what it gave me. And I was supposed to refer to the first part as well. But I may be wrong, you know, I don't really remember the task. Something like this. Okay, let's read it. Part 2. Firstly, it has been a rewarding experience for me to find out that there are different ways to achieve the same goal, but at the same time there are plenty of paths that lead to a failure. There is not certainly one best method, and every teacher is unique. When I was observing my colleagues, it was apparent that they didn't always feel comfortable with what they were doing, because it didn't match their personality. Someone just couldn't help teaching in a teacher-centered way, and I think this has probably been the biggest issue of our group as a whole. Obviously, it's been drummed into us during this course that we need to make students the focus. Some colleagues managed to reduce their teacher talking time, yet some didn't. I reflected on this as I'd always As I had always known, this had been a relevant problem for me too, and started working on reducing my own teacher talking time. I've been shown numerous times how instructions can be crucial for the students, sorry, how instructions can be crucial for the success of the lessons. When my colleagues gave unclear, um, ambiguous, lengthy or complex language loaded instructions, the activity was often doomed from the very beginning. On plenty of occasions my colleagues struggled, but there were times uh, when their instructions were infallible and it really made a huge difference. Sometimes problems could effectively be fixed by the right instruction checking questions. I've gained from this a lot. I realized that my own instructions needed an upgrade and I learned to ask CCQs, which I hadn't known of before. I was always paying attention to the way the tutors taught us during the sessions we had. And I don't necessarily agree with everything, but I understand the benefits of having a new perspective. And the minor things that I disagree with have to do with my personality, I suppose. I still believe it's good to be different, though. Overall, the lessons really broadened my horizon and showed me a new way of of doing certain aspects of teaching. For example, I learned that a pair or group check should almost always come before the teacher gives away the answers. When letting students read or listen to something, it is a sin not to give a task, even if it's a very simple one. And last but not the least, illicit rather than spoon feed. These are principles I had known about before but often neglected them. In a nutshell, I got an insight into the way Cambridge teachers as well as my colleagues teach. I was given an opportunity to compare that with the methods of, of my previous English teachers, including those at university, and my own English teaching beliefs, beliefs. In a nutshell, I got an insight into the way Cambridge teachers, as well as my colleagues, teach. I was given an opportunity to compare uh, that with the methods of my previous English teachers, including those at university, and my own teaching beliefs. Undoubtedly, this has been a very valuable experience for me. I'm referring to uh, the, the Salter course here. So this was part two. And now let me read you the part three. And I think in part three, we were supposed to do something like an action research or, um, you know, we were asked to, uh, to choose two areas uh, which we think we need to work on in the future. So part three, there are two specific areas which I have chosen to address. I intend to hold on to these notions and implement them in my future teaching rather than a relapse into what I was doing before I took the CELTA course. Firstly, from now on, when planning lessons, I will always uh, try to find ways to make my lessons more student-focused. I'll cut down on my teacher talking time by not talking so much about myself, include varied peer correction based on feedback, and generally try to reduce the teacher-student's pattern. To ensure I actually live up to this, I'm going to record a series of my lessons on an audio recorder and then examine them at home in terms of my talking time proportion. I repeat the same procedure in about a month or two to make sure I haven't gone back to the old habit. I will satisfy the insatiable need which I tend to have for speaking about myself and taking my own English to another level by continuing doing my podcast, where I will be able to improve my English and realize myself to a full extent. Secondly, in my planning, I'm going to focus on allocating enough time for practice stages, and if anything goes wrong in the lesson, I will do my best to take a more flexible approach during the classes to minimize are the time management issues. To do that I'll take a good care <clears throat> I think I'm mutating. My voice is changing I' am uh, maybe a te- I'm becoming a teenager. <laughs> to do that, I will take a good care not to overplan and have more contingencies in my plan to allow for more flexibility. That's it. I hope I didn't bore you with this assignment. I just wanted to give you an insight into what uh, an assignment could um, sound like. And that's it. That's it for this episode. Um, So, guys, have a good time. Thank you for listening to this episode. And until next time, bye-bye.